Well, so excited for you guys to be here this morning. Um, I am not going to preach this morning, but so when she said speak through Brady, she got it right because our guest speaker has the same name as me. And I want to tell you just a little bit of background. In 1989, probably around 1989, I made a phone call to the Ramada Inn and I said, hey, this is uh, Brady with American. He said, hey, this is Brady at the Ramada. I was like, what, your name's Brady? He's like, your name's Brady? It's like, wow, that's awesome. Not too long after that, I met him at the airport. He, he would drive out to the airport to pick up our flight crews from the airport, and we connected right away, and we've been friends literally ever since that day. Little did I know that God would have all the things in store for us that, uh, that he, he, he has had, some great adventures in the faith together. In 2001, we went to Mexico together. So grateful that he was there because he speaks Spanish. And I would have been lost, we would have been lost without him. It was a crazy time. It was great to have him there. In 2006, when we went to Peru to, to adopt our two children, which, by the way, our daughter from Peru is here, so great to see you, Senya. Like, put her on the spot there. Um, Brady and his wife, Carrie, took on the responsibility to take care of our birth children if something would have happened to my wife and I on the way there and back. So they, so they have become like family to us, um, there are times when our kids wish we would go away so they could go live with Brady and Carrie. Not sure what that's all about. Uh, 2010, we went to Haiti and we built a house for a pastor, and Brady was on that trip with me, and we uh, got to share some incredible times together. And then after that, we started doing some ministry in the inner city. I'd go with Brady occasionally. Brady is the one guy that can get me out of my comfort zone. Like, if there's one person that can stretch me, it will be him. And we'd go into the city, and we would just, we would stop along the street, run up to, run up to people with food in our hand and say, hey, this is, uh, I'm Pastor Brady, this is Pastor Brady, two white guys from the Northland with food. <laughs> would you like a blessing today? It's crazy how people will respond to that. They're like, well, sure. So, but my favorite story about that is one day we stopped, we literally went into the parking lot of a strip club down in the city. It was a two-for-one special lunch thing. We were hungry. No, just kidding. That's not why we were, that's not why we were there. <laughs> and that was the last time we went to the Calling Community Church after Brady tried the joke. <laughs> Strike that from the tape. <laughs> but no, we pull in, and we, we, we literally, with the gospel, stopped these three men who just got out of their car. And in five to ten minutes, we were standing in a circle holding hands, and those guys were tears running down their eyes when they were confronted with the truth of God's love for them. It was, it was, it was powerful. It was amazing. It was, it was awkward after we walked away because we kept looking at, are they going to go into the club now? <laughs> and the one guy was like, uh, really, it's a two-for-one special. It's a great deal. I was like, hey, that's between you and the Lord, man. <laughs> Good luck with that. But then, then here we are today. And so this, this guy is a passionate passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I trust him with my kids. I trust him with my life, and I trust him with being here today to share this message. So please welcome Brady Rogers. Thanks, bro. Love you. Amen. Well, I'm honored to be here today with you guys. Let me get my things set up here, if you will. I do most of my preaching in the street, not behind a pulpit, so, uh, you know, I go anywhere from five minutes to a little bit longer sometimes, so usually I don't need a microphone either. I've got a loud voice and used to projecting out across parking lots and things, so if I get loud, I've already given them permission, 
turn me down in the back, you know. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I have, I have, it's been knowing Brady and Trish and their family and knowing their heart to serve the Lord. And I just want to confirm and affirm, you know, what he's doing here as a pastor. I, I really feel like, you know, a year or two before this happened, I, I knew in my heart that he was supposed to plant a church. And so I'm excited today to see this. I'm excited today to see you all. And uh, I'd like to see everybody, so I'm going to move these things. Anyway, uh, let's open with prayer. God's Word says that when we come together in the name of Christ, He is there with us. It also says that if Christ is your Savior, He abides in you through His Holy Spirit. So either way, the Lord is here with us today. And I know you probably know that, but I want to remind you of that. We don't worship, we don't worship an idol. We don't worship a picture. We don't worship some guy that died a few thousand years ago. We worship and we are saved by a living God. And I'm sure many of you have experienced that. I, I have been so blessed really since about August of 2001 when I surrendered my life to his, to his call as an evangelist, I have had the opportunity, really on fairly a daily basis, to see just how real Jesus is. So Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for everyone who's here. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us today through your word. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in us Lord, everybody comes here with different burdens on their heart, different burdens on their mind. Some, from the moment they got out of bed this morning, they had worries, or they had fears, or they had hurts. I pray, Lord, that you would touch them today with your word. I pray, Lord, that they would have ears to hear your word and that it would penetrate their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to us today by your presence. I pray that if there are people here today who are sick, they would be healed. I pray, Lord, that if there are people here who are troubled, they would leave today with peace. I pray, Lord, if there are people here today who have fear, that they would leave with courage. I pray that if there are people here today who feel hopeless, that they would leave here feeling hope. And I thank you, Lord, that you love them. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what I want to talk to you about today is about the Word of God. A really good place to do that is Psalm 119. It is a wonderful psalm. Many feel that it was written by King David. I believe it is Davidic. We don't know for sure. I believe that it was written throughout his life. I believe it is the longest psalm, isn't it, Braid? And it's a powerful psalm that really speaks to the greatness and it speaks to the glory of the Word of God. I believe that there is a divine connection between our heart and the Word of God. And it correlates or relates to every part of our life. 
There is not a part of our life that the Word of God does not touch. Our way, the path of our life, of our children's life, of our grandchildren's life, can only be kept right by the Word of God. We cannot guide ourselves. I'm going to say that one more time. We cannot guide ourselves. Jesus is at hand to keep us by his mighty power. This psalm shows us that in very practical ways. It is a large psalm. I won't get through the entire thing today. Frankly, I could preach this psalm for the next four weeks straight. So we're going to hit some of the high points. Okay? Think about this for a moment. True devotion, true faith is sincere, it is consistent, it's practical, intelligent, active, stirring, diligent, humble, systematic, unspotted from the world, confident in God, delighting in thankfulness, fully purposed to keep the law, ready to confess. Without divine grace, it can do nothing. That's a quote by Charles Spurgeon, one of the most prolific preachers and writers we've ever seen. So let's get started. Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. You will see, as you study this psalm, you will see that term, whole heart, used several times, probably four, five, six times. Four, five, six times. You'll see that term used. Because here's the thing. God does not want us to have a divided heart. And many of us do. In fact, at times, all of us do. I'm going to say that one more time. God does not want us to have a divided heart. And without the word of God, and you'll see about seven or eight terms used in this psalm, precepts, laws, word, judgments, testimonies. You'll see all those words used as you study this psalm, but they all refer to the word of God. And I will tell you this, I can speak from my own life and my own experience. When my life has been a wreck, there was an absence of this in my life. I meet people all the time. I meet people addicted to drugs. I meet people selling women. I meet people in gangs. I meet people, and some of them even proclaim that Jesus is their Lord but you sure don't see it evidenced by the life that they're living. I will guarantee you, they all have one thing in common. They lack the Word of God in their life. They lack the Word of God in their life. I was walking with my wife a few nights ago, and the Lord brought someone to my heart friend I haven't talked to in a few months. He doesn't live in the state. He lives kind of far away. So I called him. I knew I was supposed to call him. As you 
listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit and you obey and you see that God is real and you see the results, you will get better at understanding his direction and his word. Amen? So I'm walking along. This guy just pops in my head. This is about 10 o'clock at night, our time. I think it's about 8 o'clock at night, his time. He lives out west. So I call him. No, no, wait. I texted him. I just said, how you doing, man? Thinking about you. Wondering how you doing. I want to pray for you. He texts me back and he says, dude, I don't know what it is with you and the Lord and me, but every time I'm in like real dire straits, I hear from you. And so I call him and he tells me two months ago, I got diagnosed with diabetes. I've got breast cancer. I didn't even know men could get that. I've got to get like 12 lumps removed from me tomorrow and I'm scared to death. And I've even got all these spots on my back that they're saying are cancer. And he said, I haven't worked in two months. I can't pay bills. Life is a mess. Well, I knew, I knew, I know this guy. I love this guy. I know his life. I know his testimony. I know he's given his life to the Lord. But I also know that perhaps he hasn't been real deep in this in quite some time. And so we start talking and he starts confessing. And he's just like, He's just like crying out to the Lord. He's just crying out to the Lord. Psalm 119.28 says, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Have you ever had your soul melt away for sorrow? I can remember when I was 18 years old and my brother was 19 and he had a car wreck and he was lying in a coma And the doctor said he wouldn't make it through the night, most likely. Or if he did, he probably wouldn't be able to count the fingers on his hands. He had flown 80 feet from his car, cracked his head like an egg in five different places, heart stopped beating on the way to the hospital several times. We get there, and they tell us he won't make it through the night. I had just given my life to the Lord about a year and a half ago. And I can remember feeling so helpless... I can remember walking up and down that hallway in that hospital. We got there about 12.30 a.m. And I, I wasn't going anywhere. I just remember walking up and down that hallway, crying out to God all night long, Oh, Lord, save my brother. I loved him so much, I wish I'd have been in that place instead of him. I just remember crying out to God, crying out to God. Do you remember when God got your whole heart? Do you remember what it took in your life when you began to fall in love with him in in such a way? The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. That's the only reason we love him. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. When did God begin to get your whole heart? Does he have it today? Does he have your heart? All of it. God doesn't want to share you with anybody. The Bible says he's a jealous God. And he loves you. He loves you. The Bible says his love is steadfast. means it doesn't change. It means no matter how bad you mess up, he still loves you. Here I stand at the door and knock. 
He's literally waiting there at every foul turn we take in our life, simply waiting for us to turn to Him and run to Him. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who do no wrong but walk in His ways. It is impossible to do that without this. I'll tell you that again. It is impossible to walk in His ways without this. Without having your mind renewed, your heart changed. It is impossible. I know many believers. One of my best friends, he loves the Lord. He does not read the Bible every day. In fact, I think he reads it about every couple weeks. I encourage you. Read this word every day. Don't just read it. That's not enough. That's not enough. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall be put to shame, having my then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Verse 9. How many parents do we have in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Verse 9. You need to hear verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How do we parent in such a lousy time? How do we parent in such difficult circumstance? How do we parent and pornography and all these evil things are, are just at the touch of a finger with their phone or their iPad or their laptop? It, it, men, it is our job to be the strong man, to protect our home, to protect what invades our home. How do you do it? How do you do it when you can't even see what's coming in sometimes? It's difficult. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Teach your children the Bible. In fact, let's jump back to Deuteronomy. How shall you shall love the Lord your God? And let's talk about this real quick. What we're teaching today as well is the most important commandment. Out of this entire book, what we're talking about is the most important concept to grasp. Out of the entire book. We're going to hit with a high point today. Back in Deuteronomy, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, talk about this all the time. But definitely do it in your house. Your children need to hear the word of God. I don't care if they don't want to hear it or not. There's lots of mornings I share the word of God with my boys and they're like, Dad, I'm too tired. I just don't want to hear it. Give it to them in a tidbit then, okay? Keep it short. But let them hear the truth. It is the only way to help them guard their life. They're not always with you, are they? You know, when they're so little, like my little niece I was watching last night. She was born four months early. Precious little thing. We called her our little peanut. She was this big when she was born. 
This was her first night away from mom and dad. She turns a year here in a little bit. We had the privilege to get to keep her with us. You know, you guard them and you protect them and you put your arms around them and constant watching, right? But then they get a few years older. You can't constantly watch them. They're growing up like you want them to do. You know, we want to release them as they get older, right? That's part of growing up. But there's fear with that too, isn't there? There's anxiety with that. God's word says, fear not for I'm with thee. Did you know that even the youngest or the most foolish of person could be made wise with the word of God? I can remember when Luke, my youngest, was in kindergarten, five years old. And we were getting ready for school one day. And Carrie was all anxious about something. Just really, it was just written on her face. She was fearful. Little Luke, sitting at the breakfast table, goes, Mommy, God says, fear not, for I am with thee. And she stopped. Here was this five-year-old boy ministering to his mom by the word of God. When we go out and do what we do, like out in the street or one of the neighborhoods that I've spent a lot of time in in the last four years is one of the t- worst zip codes in the entire U.S., one of the top ten. When I go there, I don't just go me. When David fought Goliath, was he by himself or was he with the Lord? And did he have the word of the Lord with him? Let's get back into this psalm a little bit here. I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on your commandments. I will praise you. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Do you hear that? How do you store God's word in your heart? You memorize it. You read it. You learn it. You memorize it. Luke didn't have that Bible with him at five. Look, oh, let me. Mom's dealing with fear. No, fear not, for I'm with thee. If you're sick, what does God's word say? Oh, heal me, O Lord, and I'm healed. Heal me, O Lord, and I'm healed. We prayed for my friend, by the way, on the phone that night before he went and got his surgery. And he called me yesterday like a little kid. He said, Brady, Brady, you're not going to believe it. I said, what's going on? All 12 of those cells they took out of my chest, no cancer. Those spots that I had on my back, they're almost non-existent. You can't even see them anymore, no cancer. And the diabetes, he said, when I got diagnosed a few months ago, after eating, my level was like 450-something, whatever that means, my sugar level. He said, they tested me the other day. My sugar level was under 200. You see, Jesus saves and Jesus heals. You know that? I mean, do you really know that? It's true. I've seen it a lot. He heals people today. This isn't no funny hokey pokey stuff. It's real. The God you serve, if, if, if Jesus is your Lord, the God you serve is real. He's alive. He saves. He heals. He does it. Do you believe it? With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. You see, we speak, we profess the Bible, we profess the Word of God with our lips. Profess it. One time I was in Las Vegas. I went out there for a hotel convention. You want to talk about danger zone, temptation zone. I'm staying in this old fancy hotel called the Luxor. 
And they have people dancing on stages in the lobby. Not a lot of clothes on. And I'm going, oh my Lord. I mean it. I'm a man. I'm tempted. But you know what I kept quoting to myself as I walked through that hotel? God's word says, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So I kept quoting that scripture to myself. I went up to hide in my room. I'm like, I'm a man of God. I can't be around this. I went up to hide in my room. Finally, after getting frustrated with the devil, I said, enough of this. I grabbed a bunch of, I always keep, all right, we talk about the word. If you believe in the word, carry the word. This is the gospel of John. They come in all kinds of cool little covers. I like this camo one because I can reach out to dudes with it. (laughs) Keep it on you. Read it yourself and give it away to people. If you believe it, if it's powerful, why wouldn't you want people to have it? If you had like $15 billion and you knew there was someone over here that didn't even have enough food to buy his own meal, wouldn't you reach in your wallet and give it to him? Well, what about the cup that runneth over? What about the cup of water that never runs out? We, there's, not a, there's, there's no limited supply of the Lord's love, of His truth. If you love Jesus, and if you are His, then by default you are a disciple of His. Did you know that? I'm sorry, maybe you didn't know that. But it, it, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you put your name on the dotted line, soldier of Christ. You signed up, except you don't get out of this military in four years. You signed up. So what do you do? You go about bearing witness of the Lord. You go about taking that living word out of your pocket you can have that, and giving it to people who don't, maybe don't have something, who need the Lord. And when you do that, you start realizing and running into all these wonderful adventures of faith every day. Life in the Lord is exciting. Don't let anybody tell you that being a Christian is boring. Listen, religion is kind of boring. It is. But a relationship with the living Christ, it's awesome. It is awesome stuff. I went up to these three dudes down off a prospect one time, two guys and one lady, they were arguing. And I had a guy with me from the street who had kind of started to work with me a little bit. And I go, Charles, we better take the presence of the Lord in the middle of this thing. So we whipped the Jeep over there, went up to him, kind of got in the middle of this argument, said, hey, I'm Pastor Brady. What's going on? I want to bless you. We got out some... We had some chocolate milks in the coolers. I don't know why we had those that day, but we got out some chocolate milks and started handing them out. Well, they stopped. They stopped. They stopped. And all of a sudden, we start talking about the Lord. And the next thing you know, we're all standing in a circle, hands held, and all three of them got their heads bowed and they're repenting. They're dealing with their sin. Well, when we went to leave, we were giving out hugs. And there was this one man named Tony. He prayed, but he didn't. He wasn't real, real reactive. Not, not this Tony, different Tony. But anyway, so we got back in the Jeep. We get back in the Jeep, and Charles goes, Pastor Brady, did you see that big old knife Tony had in his belt? It was right underneath his coat, big old kitchen knife. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I don't feel very good about that. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> I said, 
we'll go back. I need to have him surrender that to me in the name of Jesus. So they're walking down this alley by then. I whip the Jeep around. I go, y'all wait here. We don't want to overcome him. So I go walking up there. And I say, Tony, Tony, come here, come here, come here. I got to talk to you. He says, what, Pastor Brady? I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, Tony, I need to talk to you about that big old knife you got in your belt under your coat. And he looks down and he says, how'd you know I had that? I said, well, the Lord chose to reveal it to me through one of the members on my team. And I said, I don't feel good about you carrying that knife. He said, well, you shouldn't because when I, I put it in my belt this morning, I was planning on using it. And I said, well, I, I need you to surrender that to me in the name of Jesus. He said, well, you don't get it. I, I don't need to now. When you had us bow our heads and repent, I, I came clean with the Lord. He said, I'm going back to my apartment. I'm putting this knife away. And I looked at his friends, and I said, did you all know about this knife and his plans with it? Yes. And I said, the Bible says iron, like iron sharpens iron, so man, one man sharpens another. I said, Tony, I'd really feel a lot better if you just go ahead and surrender that knife to me. He said, it's the only one I got in my kitchen. I said, okay, but here's the deal. Are you two going to keep him accountable? He's come clean. He has repented. He's right with God right now. The Bible says, by the way, don't call unclean that which the Lord has made clean. In fact, it's a good time to ask you this. You don't have to answer. Just think about it. Do you feel dirty today? Do you feel like you need to be made clean? Do you feel like you need to be made right with God? Is there something going on in your life that's not right? I want to ask everybody to bow your head real quick. This wasn't planned, but the Lord, I think, would. Okay, this is just between you and the Lord right now, okay? But if there's something in your heart you need to deal with today, I want to ask you to give it to the Lord. I want to ask you to give it to the Lord right now. So we're just going to have a moment of silence. I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for me too. Lord, help us to deal with the sin in our heart. Help us to deal with our anger, our lust, our envy, our gossip, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our wickedness, our drinking, our addictions. If, if you're dealing with an addiction today, I'm going to ask you to say out loud. You can say it quiet. Say, Lord, set me free. Say, Lord, set me free. And the next time you go to pick up that drink or put that thing in your arm or click on that deal online or whatever it is you're addicted to, you just need to remind yourself, Lord, set me free. And if you've done that today, if you've done that today, the Bible says don't call unclean that which the Lord has made clean. So you're clean. Receive it. No more condemnation. No more guilt. Just receive it. Walk out of here today knowing that you're clean, knowing that that anchor is off your shoulders or that chain is not on your ankle anymore. You ever try to walk with a big old chain or something heavy on your foot? It's hard. It is hard. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. I feel dead. That's what that means. My soul clings to the dust. I need revived. I need revival in my life. Revive my soul. Revive my spirit. Because I feel dead. Have you ever felt that way? I have. 
Have you ever felt dead? I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. There's another, there's another nugget of truth. What is the desire of your heart? In what do you delight? Listen, the Lord's given us all kinds of things to enjoy on this earth, right? Adventures, fancy boats, fast cars, wrestling matches, football games, hunting, going shopping, all those things. But I want to tell you something. If that's the delight of your heart, you will never have peace. The only way you will ever have peace is if the true delight in your heart is the Lord. That's it. Nothing else will fill your cup. You will always feel empty. You will always feel lonely. You will always feel hopeless. Anybody in here ever felt hopeless? Raise your hand if you felt hopeless. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Verse 30. I set your rules before me. You see, it is a choice. It is a choice. Everybody say that. It is a choice. It is a choice to set your mind on the Lord and on the Word of God. It's a choice, and it's an everyday choice. And sometimes you got to really focus on it being an everyday choice. If you haven't worked out in a while, and you go to hit the heavy bag, or you go to start lifting weights, or you go to run five miles, boy, those first few days, it's tough. It's just awful. But then you get to the point where your body is fed by it, and the next thing you know... It feels great, and if you don't do it, you miss it. It takes discipline, it takes choice to be in the Word of God every day. Read it, obey it, meditate on it. You see, if you learn it, and you got it in your heart, and you memorize it, and you, all these things, but you don't obey it, that's a bit of a waste, isn't it? What good does it do to instruct your child in something that they should do and then they go run out the door and they don't do it? I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Did you know that? That God can literally enlarge your heart? He can change the capacity of your heart? Perhaps you're struggling today in your marriage. Perhaps you don't love your wife like Christ loved the church. <clears throat> God can change that. He can take that out of you. I promise you. How could I promise you if I didn't know for myself? He can take that out of you. He can give you a love for your spouse like he loves them. And he can give you a love for other people like he loves them. For me to go to the city is the love of the Lord. I hate the city. Used to. I'm a country boy. I love open spaces. I mean it. Now, I love going to the city. I love going to the hood. I, 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 believe it or not, I do. I do. I get to meet God every time I go there. How could you not like that? How could you not like seeing and realizing firsthand that Jesus is alive and he's real? And he's changing people's lives right in front of you. 
And he's even using you to do it as his disciple, as his servant. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn your eyes. See, you got a choice with those eyes. You can look on things of eternity or you can look on worthless things. But you really can't do both. Because if you're walking down this path of life, if you're walking down this path of holiness and trying to live the best life God has for you, but you veer off all the time, then what happens is you step off into traps and you fall into those traps. You will. That's it. The only way not to fall into those traps, the only way to live the life that God has chosen for you, that blessed life, who here wants to have a blessed life? Raise your hand. The only way is by focusing on the truth and walking it out. And when you are tempted... You take captive your thoughts. You take captive your thoughts. You pray. You run to the Word of God. You meditate on the Word of God. And ultimately, you obey the Word of God. Amen? It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Verse 71. It's good for me that I was afflicted? God actually allows people to be afflicted? My friend that called me the other night, had he not been afflicted, perhaps he would still be living today the way he was. Perhaps. But you ought to hear the man. You ought to, it's just, it's awesome. I've got to land this plane here, so I'm going to wind up. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. And I call to you, save me. I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I hope in your words. Everybody say that. I hope in your words. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. All right. I'm an evangelist. You knew this was coming. Bow your heads, please. I want you to have a moment to deal with the Lord. Jesus says it is appointed unto man to die. And then comes judgment. There will be a judgment day. The Bible says. It even gives us a description of what it looks like. You know what judgment day looks like? It says he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on the right and the goats will be on the left. And the goats will be cast into a place where there is gnashing of teeth where there is ever sorrow, where there is no escape, where there is only remorse. The only way, the only way to be cleansed and forgiven of your sins. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. So either you believe what he says, or it's all a bunch of bunk. Either you believe that, or it's all not true. But if you believe it, it means it. It means Jesus is the only way to salvation. Perhaps you're here and you've never had the chance to publicly confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Did you know that you have to do that? There has to be some type of public proclamation in your heart 
that says Jesus is Lord. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Who here has never done that publicly? Who here has never had the chance to say, Jesus is my Lord? If you are that person, I want to ask you to raise your hand and raise it high. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Now, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step. I'm going to ask you to get up out of that seat and come walking down here toward me. There's several of you. You're not alone. Come on down, please. Please. Life is short. Life is short. You never know. You never know when you're going to breathe your last breath. So come on down, please. Amen. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there are angels in heaven rejoicing because of the choice you're making today. There are angels in heaven rejoicing because of the choice you made today. God says that it is his desire that none should perish, but that all would repent. And so I just want to ask you all today, do you believe that Jesus is God? Yes? Do you know that your sin causes you to have eternal separation from the Father? Do you know that Jesus cleanses you from that sin when you accept him as your Savior? Then I just want to give you the chance today to say, Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Turn and embrace your brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. God loves you. The Bible says his word is steadfast. His love is steadfast, which means it never, ever, ever changes. If when we had our heads bowed earlier and you dealt with, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if you dealt with the Lord today on something in your life, remember this day. When you walk out that door, remember that you're clean. Remember you've been set free. Otherwise, you'll walk right back into that jail. And it is a jail cell. Remember you've been set free. Let's pray. In fact, Braid, would you pray, please? So, Father, we commit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to not just merely listen to these words today, but to actually do what it says so that we would not walk away from this place like looking in a mirror and forgetting what we see when we walk away, but instead, God, it would cause us to be changed, different, never the same, transformed. Lord, I praise you for those who publicly confess their faith in you, that they believe in their heart that you, God, raised Jesus from the dead, that they are saved, set apart, to be in your presence someday. But, God, it doesn't just end with this decision that they made, that they would begin to grow in, the, in wisdom. They'd grow to know your word, grow for hunger for your word, God. I pray that we as a church would surround them to encourage them as men, to challenge men, as women, to encourage and nurture women. God, that we would be the church that you call us to be, that people would experience the compassionate love of this Father in heaven who loved us enough to send his son for us.
We praise you. Thank you so much for Brady's, his words because of your words through him. God, teach us that we, we can be light in all the places that we go. We can share your truth. We can share our story. We can listen to other people's stories. We can share your story, a story that brings life. God, teach us to be that way. Remind us of your love today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you once again for being here. Just be sure to uh, encourage Brady as you, as you leave today and just thank him for his time here. If you were in the crowd and you saw people come forward, go to those people and welcome them into the family. Do not them f- let them feel like they're alone, like they don't have anybody who understands because we've all been there and some of us still need to get there <laughs> and God's patient with you. Um, but there will be a time where there'll be, there will be no more time. And so continue to... Seek the Lord, seek his word. Um, Obviously, I know it's early on Tuesday mornings, but men, we we get into God's word together. If if you can't get there on Tuesday morning, find another time. Get with some other guys. You be the one to instigate it. You say, hey, I'll meet you. I'll come to your home. We'll get in God's word together. You just got to choose to do that. Girls are better at it than we are, but some some of you girls need to jump into that too and and look for a place to study God's word. Uh, Teenagers. Encourage one another. When you get together and hang out, don't waste your time hanging out just on Instagram. You know, take a picture of you studying your Bible on Instagram and put it out there. Use social media to broadcast this message loud and clear because people are listening and people are watching. So I want to encourage you to do that. We have an opportunity for you to give as you leave today, and we always appreciate your your willingness to do that. If you are a guest here today and you maybe fill out one of those guest cards, information cards, please place that in the offering basket on the way out so that we can stay in contact with you today. I want to encourage you guys as we get ready to leave, be praying. Um, we, uh, our core team, the people who have come together to, to make this church happen, we're meeting today. And, uh, and so I mean, we're meeting and just talking about like what we're going to do next and how we continue to grow the church and bless each other. And so be praying about that, that, that God would just be in that and God would use that time to really, so that we'd be a healthy a thriving body of, of believers here in the in the Platte City community, so be praying for that and and continue to pray. Like, is is does God have something bigger for us to do, a bigger place to go, and and is God opening those doors? What does that look like? And so you're a part of that, so be praying for that. Okay, sounds good. Bless you and have a great day. Go Chiefs. <laughs>